Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with the local station. Hello, wrestling fans. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Going Ringside. So glad you could be with us. I'm Scott Johnson. This, if you're watching in order, is episode number 35. Uh, real quickly, I want to talk about episode 34 last week. Great, great interview. One of my favorites with Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, was in with us in studio here for episode 34. You can go watch it right now wherever you get your podcast. Um, he talked a lot about a Valor BK event, Valor Bare Knuckle event he's having in Jacksonville. Also, he talked about some really interesting things. You want to go hear what he has to say about Mike Tyson and what it would be like if Mike Tyson faced a UFC fighter. You'll want to hear that. He also says some really interesting stuff about The Rock, Shawn Michaels, maybe Triple H will let you judge for yourself if you go back and listen to the episode right now, episode 34, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and today is all about episode 35. And before we get into it, I want to once again go give us a follow at, at Going Ringside on both TikTok and Instagram, where we're putting exclusive content out there every single day stuff you'll hear on the podcast and stuff you won't hear on the podcast you only get it or at going ringside TikTok and instagram channels um today i'm excited we've got two great names from two different generations on the show the million dollar man ted dibiase and bronson reed dibiase arguably one of the greatest heels of all time um, Bronson Reed, one of the main performers right now on the Raw brand. He had been doing NXT, and we'll talk to him a little later in the show. Uh, we had an interview with Bronson, who lives down here in Florida, a few months ago on our show, River City Live, which is our entertainment show we do out here in Jacksonville at Channel 4, where we broadcast our show from. Um, and, we, and I wanted to bring back that interview they did with Bronson Reed, so that'll be uh, coming up. But first, we're starting with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Arguably one of the greatest, maybe top five heels of all time. And I think there's a reason for that. Ted DiBiase is one of those ones that, that his, even after he was wrestling, everyone looks back to him as one of the greats as far as bad guys, as far as people, uh, as far as wrestlers that people hated. You've got Piper, you've got Flair. Uh, I mean, some of the others who were in there back in his generation, Mr. Perfect, uh, ravaging Rick Rude. But as far as his contemporaries, really, you got Rick Rude and, and Mr. Perfect were two kind of top-level heels at the same time he was there. I would put DiBiase a hair above them, above them. And, and there's a reason why. So DiBiase is brought in. He had been a, a top performer in, like, I want to say like UWF and Mid-South as Ted DiBiase. He was a second-generation performer. You know, top guy there, held titles in the other territories. But Vince McMahon eventually brings him in with arguably the greatest thing that could ever happen to a young wrestler. The million-dollar man gimmick, I mean, you could not ask for a better gimmick because, you know, you have to live the gimmick, so to speak, so when they bring in Ted DiBiase, the stories, if you listen to them, is they had to bring him in and make it look like he was legitimately the million-dollar man. 
not like he was just another WWF wrestler collecting a paycheck and they tried to make look like he was rich. He had to live the gimmick, so to speak. So what does that mean? Every town you go to, limo service, first class airline miles, probably some sort of company credit card or cash to go with you so you could live like you were worth millions of dollars. As a wrestler, you couldn't ask for a better gimmick. I, I've heard stories that Ted, you know, people would say to Ted, take that gimmick, take it right now, do whatever Vince asks of you. That is uh, just amazing. So Ted comes in, and if you remember, he does the vignettes that people just hated him for. He was so good at it. He developed that iconic laugh, which we'll talk to him about in the, later in the interview. I can't do it. Uh, but he comes in and he does all these gimmicks, you know, in limos, with champagne at mansions. They even add him on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. We'll talk to him about that a little later on. But the thing he was probably really solidified him as a great, great heel in WWE, WWF at the time, was these vignettes he would do where he would bring Virgil, his bodyguard, back when Virgil just looked like that tough bodyguard with his sleeves cut off, big guns, and he would bring out cash and offer it to people if they'd do something for him. Like, do some push-ups for me, kiss my feet, do something and I'll give you a few hundred dollars, you peasant. That's how it worked. Probably the most famous one of all time, which was just legitimately, maybe the meanest thing we've ever seen legitimately happen in wrestling, um, was they brought up this little child, and I've heard the story told that he didn't know it was real, he, he, or he didn't know it was a work, he didn't know it was a wrestling angle, he thought this was real. They bring him up and say, here, son, we're going to give you hundreds of dollars for your family if you dribble this basketball 15 times. And what he goes on to do is one of the most horrible things I think we've ever seen a wrestler do on a show. Watch this. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Sean. If you can dribble this basketball 15 times consecutively without missing, look at here, I'm going to give you $500. Now, I know you and your family can use $500. I can tell by looking at you that you can use a lot more than 500 bucks. Okay. Virgil, give me the basketball. Okay, Sean, 15 times. Ready, go. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Oops! Oh! We didn't get to 15, Sean. You didn't get to 15, did you? No. He didn't make 15. And you know what that means? What that means, Sean, is you've got to learn a hard cruel fact of life. When you don't do the job right, you don't get paid. <laughs> so that's Ted DiBiase just playing heel. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I, I think I've heard stories that they eventually made it right with the child and his mom later on. Um, but, you know, that's, that's good bad guy wrestling right there. I mean, that really draws a lot of heat from the fans. They don't like Ted DiBiase. And the reason why I said at the beginning of the show why I think Ted DiBiase is arguably one of the great heels of all time, and I put him a hair above Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude, 
is because of the main event. So if you remember in the mid-80s, they, when Hulk Hogan was at his peak, they had what was called Saturday Night's main event. Come on every month or two and it would preempt Saturday Night Live. And I, as a kid then, was, it was like the greatest show ever. Top level performers, uh, you had to stay up real late to watch it. Um, and Saturday Night's main event was a big deal uh, for WWF and for fans then. You know, it was great. It was almost like you got your own pay-per-view on NBC on a Saturday night. But they took it a step further late into the late 80s and the beginning of the 1990s and got rid of the Saturday night. They did what was called the main event. And that didn't air late night. That aired prime time on NBC for everyone to see. The, I think it was the second main event they ever did involved Ted DiBiase. And this is why I put him up there with the greats, you know, closer to your Roddy Pipers and your Ric Flairs as far as the greatest heels of all time. Because the main event, the episode where it was Andre versus Hogan, the rematch from WrestleMania 3, got 33 million viewers. 33 million people tuned into a wrestling TV show. There have never been numbers like that ever in the history of wrestling. Maybe the 1950s with Gorgeous George. I'm not sure because he was really big mainstream back then. But since, I mean, you think of modern day WWE, like to get a million or two million is like huge. Even at the peak of the Attitude Era, when they were getting the best ratings they've ever gotten, beating Monday Night Football some weeks, they didn't touch what the main event did. 33 million people watching a wrestling program, nothing has ever gotten that many viewers of a wrestling event. It is the biggest, most viewed wrestling event in history. So that event was Hogan and Andre rematch. That's obviously why people are tuning in. Hogan's the biggest name in the company, and Andre's arguably the biggest, uh, I guess you could say heel or just attraction is really what Andre was, and everyone wanted to see that rematch. So 33 million people tuned in primetime NBC to see this. And Ted DiBiase was right in the middle of it. If you go back, and maybe you remember it like I do, it was one of the most memorable events of all time where they had the twin referees, Dave and Earl Hebner, who were real-life twins, and they had uh, an evil referee come in and, and screw Hulk Hogan over, and Andre won the title, and then he gave it to Million Dollar Man, who had used his money to... Um, make all this happen and, he, and they give him the belt and Ted, while, while the attraction was Hogan versus Andre, Ted was at the center of that. And he had 33 million people angry at him, bitter at him, booing him at home. And you know, in wrestling, you can be a great performer, you can be one of the best performers of all time, but, uh, but to really get in that goat conversation, be it the greatest of all time, be it the greatest heel of all time, be it the greatest tag team of all time, you really need to have something extra. So when you think, you know, greatest of all time, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, Rock, you don't need to explain it. They were arguably the greatest of all time. Hogan changed the industry. Everyone focused on him. Austin did the same thing in the 90s. Rock goes on to become the biggest movie star uh, who started as a wrestler of all time. 
Flair's kind of there because he did, you know, he was 16-time champion. He was the face of NWA WCW through the 1980s. Undertaker's in that conversation because not only was a great performer, he also had the longevity, the streak of, uh, I think, 21-0, the 30-year run in WWE. So you understand there. As far as the greatest heels of all time, I think you, you know, some of the ones you would argue would be um, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was Hulk Hogan's nemesis. That puts him there. But what took him a step further, I would argue, was that big event with rock and wrestling, with Mr. T and Cyndi Lauper and MTV, and putting Roddy Piper on, the, on TV, on general public televisions all over the country, not just diehard wrestling fans. That took Roddy Piper to the next level. You could argue with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall when they jumped ship and started the NWO and really changed the industry. That took them from top bad guys to the next level. I argue DiBiase's kind of the same. Because of that main event show, to have you at the center of a storyline with the biggest audience in the history of all of wrestling, watching it takes you to the next level. And then, Ted, after that, um, you know, that was his peak. He, he feuded, I think, with Ultimate Warrior at times, Mandy, oh, with Randy Savage and Dusty Rhodes, all the main guys. He was really a real good top heel for that run. Eventually, he kind of steps back from being the top heel, and he uh, teams up with um, IRS, Mike Rotunda, Erwin R. Scheister, um, and they start the, um, the tag team Money, Inc., and they hold the title. They're a great tag team. We interviewed Mike Rotunda on episode 27, remembering his son, Bray Wyatt, if you want to go back and listen to the archives right now. He, of course, talks about his son and his career. He also talks about tagging with Ted as Money, Inc. That's episode 27, if you want to go listen to it. And that was really, I think, the last time Ted, I remember, was a wrestler. I, he kind of stepped away from active wrestling at that point, kind of got into more of a managerial role in the mid-90s and started what was called the Million Dollar Corporation, where he was kind of the money man, of course, and the, and the manager of different guys like Bam Bam Bigelow, Kama, uh, the evil Tatanka when he turned heel. King Kong Bundy was brought in. And they uh, were the center of one of the main events for WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 12, maybe, when you had, um, they brought in um, LT, Lawrence Taylor, to face off with Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event of a WrestleMania. I think it was above Sean versus Brett because Lawrence Taylor was such a big name. And it was kind of the NFL guys were brought in to stand outside the ring, and, and the million-dollar corporation, DiBiase's guys, stood outside the ring, too, and Ted was involved in that. And then eventually Ted was brought in as... Steve Austin's first manager when Steve was brought into WWF as these, quote, million-dollar champion. And Ted uh, managed Steve for a while, and eventually Ted left. And Steve, obviously, as we know, didn't need a manager because he became the most prolific uh, character in history of wrestling. And Ted left for WCW, and he became the early money man for the NWO. They called him Billionaire Ted, uh, you know, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, reaction to how WWF is making fun of Ted Turner. Well, they made Ted DiBiase as the original money man behind the NWO. Problem was, was eventually Eric Bischoff came in and blew that up, and Ted left. He's like, you don't need me. Why am I here? Um, and that was really the last time that NWO run, it was brief, 
when Ted was an active in-ring performer, an active character in wrestling. Started to go backstage a lot, um, and you would see him pop up for one-offs here or there. I mean, because Million Dollar Man's so well-known, so iconic. They would bring it back here and there. But he was kind of done as far as being a, a top-level uh, character in WWF, WWE, and WCW at that point. He, he was... He just wasn't a regular character. At this time, Ted starts to kind of have some personal life changes, which we're going to talk about here in the interview. Um, Ted became an ordained minister and turned his life around, as, as he will tell you. You know, if you remember wrestlers from the 1980s, it was um, booze and women and drugs, and that was kind of what a lot of them were involved in. And Ted kind of went down that path to a point and turned his life around. And he was able to um, become an ordained minister and turn his life over to God. Um, and his family kind of followed suit. Uh, they're big in Mississippi, and, and he became one of the biggest evangelical mi ministers in the country. Um, so that happens with Ted. Um, and with that happening, um, Ted kind of changes his life, but there has been a hiccup in the last uh, year or two. Ted's son, Ted Jr., who you know, be kind of uh, following his dad's footsteps in wrestling for a while. He's part of the legacy, um, the legacy stable with Randy Orton uh, for a while and Cody Rhodes Jr. He's gotten himself into some trouble. Um, he has been indicted in the state of Mississippi at the federal level for a welfare fraud scheme. He's one of the prime names involved in this. Ted Sr. is not. His name has kind of been looped into it, but he's not been criminally charged at all. I don't want to spend a time on that today because we have done an entire episode on that, Going Ringside, episode number nine, the DiBiase indictment. You can go back and listen to the archives. We do a deep dive on what that is about. Um, and what that case is if you want to learn more. I do ask Ted about that a little in the interview you're about to hear, so we do cover that, and that's something the DiBiase family obviously is dealing with right now, but that's episode nine if you want to learn more about that. Ted has a podcast. I think it's called Everybody Has a Price. He's done some books over the years, um, talking a lot about his life and about his ministry and uh, kind of where he's at right now, but we were so excited to have a chance to talk to the Million Dollar Man. Here is our interview with a million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Well, we are joined now by the million dollar man himself, Ted DiBiase. Ted, thank you for joining us today. How have things been going for you? Hey, it's been great. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been to this event in the past. I, I don't think I was here last year, but maybe the year before. But uh, it's about the wrestling fans. And I've always said that wrestling fans are the greatest fans in the world. Because, I mean, what's, what's the your fan? You, know, you pretty much got them alive. I hear so many stories, I mean, from adults that come up and from kids who come up who, I mean, stories like, you know, the, the little ones go, you know, my dad got me to watch the wrestling, now I'm watching wrestling, and it's like, yeah. once they're in, they're in. So, so how did Million Dollar Man come about? Because everyone I've talked to says, it's literally the greatest gimmick any wrestler could be given. <laughs> Well, I was fortunate because uh, the character of the Million Dollar Man was a Vince McMahon original. Uh, when he contacted me and, and uh, I went and visit, sat down with him, he said, Ted, you know, he, so he told me all about what was going on and how the company was, you know, beginning to move forward. And 
He said, I've got this idea. It's never been done before. And he says, but here's the deal. He says, I can't tell you what it is until you agree to sign with me because I don't want to give away a great idea and then you go somewhere else and do it. So I had to agree to sign, and I eventually, obviously, I did. And uh, basically, he said, the one thing everybody hates is someone who, by virtue of their wealth, bullies people. You know, and I, I said, I can't stand guys like that myself. But that's the nature of the million dollar man character. You know, he, he pushes his weight around by pushing the money around. And the things that Vince had me do, it was just. There were some evil things you did. Oh, oh, and I mean, but like, now he said, and, and when I, once I signed, and one of his secretaries walked in, counted out $2,000 in brand new $100 bills, and said, this is your flash cash. And he just said, he said, for example, he says, go into a nice restaurant, get up and tell everybody who you are. And it's their lucky night because you're picking up the tab. And so I'll go around, pick up the checks, lay down the cash, bring me the receipt, and we will replenish the money. That's got to be a dream for a wrestler. Oh, my gosh. But that was marketing his product. Yeah. And that's what he wrote it off as. And, oh, my gosh. I could swear when I was a teenager, I saw Robin Leach on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous profiling Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. What was the background there? Because they were in total kayfabe. Well, you know, that was actually Vince's house. Wow. It wasn't mine. It was the boss's house. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, we, we I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. You know, and, of course, he also told me, he says, now, if you abuse this, you lose it. Okay. You know, so I was careful not to ever abuse it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he flew me first class. And, and you know, and probably the, the one thing that I did that I get the most talk about is uh, when we were in Milwaukee doing TV. Uh, he said, what can we do tonight for the, for the, for the gimmick? And it was a Gorilla Monsoon idea. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, he sa I said, what Milwaukee famous for? And he, somebody said, beer and basketball. So we can't do beer, let's do something with basketball. And so they got a little kid out of the crowd, like five, six years old. And so I'm there with him and I said, okay, can you dribble a basketball? So let me see you dribble at 10 times, so he, you could tell, he could, he did it. And yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was afraid he was going to miss it. Okay. And so we, we rehearsed all this, but when we did it live, I had to be hardcore million dollar man. Yeah. And so I said, okay, do that again, do it 15 times without missing, and I'll give you $500. He gets to 14, and I kick the ball. I just put my foot out there enough to make the ball bounce off my foot. And I said, you know what, kid, you're going to have to learn a hard lesson at an early age. When you don't get the job done, you don't get paid. <laughs> Crocodile tears. He ran to his mother. Oh, my gosh. I got in the back, and everybody was going, yes, that was great. I said, I'm glad you're all happy. Now find an armored vehicle to get me out of the building. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the punchline on that one. 20 years later, yeah. I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. And I go back to Omaha, and I, I mean, I also have a ministry. I think it was a, a ministry, and I was speaking at a church somewhere. But I'm renting a car. As this guy comes up, taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and I'm looking at his chest. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he said, Mr. DiBiase, he says, I, I know who you are. He says, I'm the manager here. Can I help you find a car? I said, I'm sure, find something that would fit us both. He said, be glad to. He said, by the way, he says, you remember that thing you did with the kid in the basketball? 
And it was the expression on his face, and I, I just went, no. And he goes, it's nice to see you again. It was him. Oh, my God. It was him. Now, what are the odds of him running in him? And, and <laughs> I said, obviously, you're doing pretty good for yourself. He says, you're going to love this. I went to college on a basketball scholarship. I said, see what I did for you, kid. <laughs> but, you know. Hang on. I got to interrupt. I just kind of heard you laugh for a second. How did the greatest laugh in the history of all entertainment, not just wrestling, come about? Again, Vince McMahon. We were doing television somewhere, and we would also, during the television days, do interviews for specific cities. So I was doing my interviews, and I happened to end one of those interviews laughing like that. Now, you know, my biological father was a professional singer. He sang with Tennessee Henry Ford, beautiful deep bass voice. I couldn't carry a tune at that animal time, but I have a deep voice. So I laughed like that. Vince was walking by. He stuck his head in the door. He goes, that's the million-dollar man. And I want to hear that laugh every time you cut a promo. And I, now, I, now I laugh. I go, I had almost a 20-year career. I did all these different things. Been all around the world. And what am I remembering the most for? It's the greatest laugh in the business. You actually wished me a happy 40th birthday. My brother paid one of those services. A cameo. A cameo, and he sent me for my 40th birthday. It was great. Um, so you eventually go through WCW and get into the ministry. Yeah. How does a pro wrestler known for being the most evil man on television become a minister of the gospel? Well, I'll tell you what. God's timing, in my opinion, is always perfect. And uh, there came a time in my life where uh, I was doing some things again. When I, you know, as I was a million-dollar man, you know, we were like rock stars. We were on the road acting like rock stars. It very nearly cost me my marriage, and uh, I had to confess to my wife adultery, uh, and it really shamed me. I mean, I, I can't even explain it. But I knew this, and I, I honestly thought that I would lose her. And by the grace of God, uh, she didn't let me. And this is what she said to me. She says, I serve a God of restoration, not divorce. I'm going to give you a chance. I won't make any promises, but I'm going to give you a chance. That's all I needed. I yeah. took that ball, and I ran with it. And just my faith in God began to grow. I don't know, it was just kind of weird. I think God sets you up sometimes. And so I got, I, somebody asked me to get up at a, at a meeting somewhere one night and share my story. So I, I did that and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to be speaking. So I, I ended up starting out, I started all, I'm going all over the country, speaking in churches, speaking at men's events, a lot of men's events, uh, because of, of all the things I dealt with, other things that men deal, deal with. And I would tell my story and about how God not only restored me, but restored my marriage and our family. And but I want to... biggest hero yeah. in this story is my wife. Yeah. Because of her willingness to give me that chance. How are you and the family doing? We've covered it on the news. Just want to know, how are you guys doing? It's been a hard season. Yeah, we're, we're doing good. You know, and all of that is, it's, it's, it, it is a bunch of garbage. I'm not at liberty to talk about it. But, uh, you know, uh, 
it's kind of like they're looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah. And you're caught in the middle of it. And we're caught in the middle of it. If I didn't have a celebrity name, they wouldn't even be looking at me. Yeah. And you still keep with wrestling, though. You do the ministry. You do the wrestling. Why? Why keep the wrestling when you're on the ministry? Well, the only part of wrestling that I do is I, when I get in invitations to come and do these autograph signings and stuff. And there are like a lot of independent wrestling organizations out there. And uh, occasionally, some of those guys are like, they'll, they'll say, "Hey, Ted, would you come and and you know, and, and while you're in town, come by and speak to our." my group of trainees and you know obviously I, I would do that I mean it's kind of like the people always have they go you know I'll be 70 in January and they go would you, would you ever consider getting back in the ring I said no <laughs> I said but there are times when I'll watch a new guy and I see something in him and that's when part of me goes if I could just get in there with him I could I could help him go because that, that's really how you you learn wrestling by doing it, and it's just, it's, 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 a hard, it's hard to explain. But, uh, yeah. Now, but again, like the Million Dollar Man says, everybody's got a price. Yeah. <laughs> Would I get in the ring one more time? You never know. Never know. Well, Ted, <laughs> that's what we wanted. Ted DiBiase, Million Dollar Man. Ted, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So that was our interview with Ted. We were so happy to talk to him. He's just got such a, an interesting story. Obviously, he's dealing with the son with the, the stuff with his son right now, and that that is what it is. Episode nine. Once again, if you want to learn more about that, but just a, just an interesting, fascinating life to go from the wrestling, booze and women lifestyle, turn his life around, dedicate his life to the ministry, uh, becoming one of the most prolific ministers in the United States. Um, so. Just an interesting story. So glad to talk to Ted. Um, I do want to talk about our other guest today, Bronson Reed. But before we do, I want to give another pitch um, to follow us at Going Ringside on both Instagram and TikTok. I want to show you one thing that you didn't get here on the podcast that we had on the TikTok channel, a couple posts about something that happened at a WWE event. Um, it involved a shooting outside a WWE event in Kansas City. Um, so... There wasn't a lot of coverage of it because, you know, it's wrestling. But we, of course, that's what we do here. So we put it on our TikTok channel. Hundreds of thousands of people have been watching this on TikTok. Here's a couple of our clips we put out there. Just kind of, kind of some of the exclusive stuff you'll get if you give us a follow at Going Ringside on TikTok and Instagram. Um, this involving a shooting. Here's a couple things uh, that we posted about uh, some teenager shot outside a WWE event in Kansas City. Caused the lockdown. Here it is. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. Kansas City last night, WWE asked to do mass shooting lockdown procedures at T-Mobile Arena after shots are fired outside the arena. Fortunately, no one inside was injured. Several teens outside were injured in the shooting, and WWE has, of course, in you know concerns over mass shootings, had a lockdown procedure in place. They did it at the T-Mobile Arena. No one inside the center there was injured. It was a shooting just in the area in Kansas City. But obviously, showing WWE does have some lockdown procedures. They're ready to put in place if there is a shooting situation. Three teenagers were injured outside a shooting outside of a WWE event in Kansas City last night. The non-televised event was happening at the T-Mobile Center and was locked down at the time. Three teens had non-life-threatening injuries. 
Police are investigating what may have led to the shooting. There so far have not been any arrests. So I cannot encourage you enough to give us a follow there um, at Going Ringside. But that was TikTok stuff, also at Instagram. So give us a follow. We put stuff there every single day. As it happens, you will hear it there first. Um, you don't have to wait for the podcast to roll around. Um, the other guy I want to talk about is Bronson Reed. He's a star on Raw right now. Did a lot with NXT. He's originally from Australia, now lives down here near us in Florida, lives in the Orlando area. So he came on our um, River City Live show. As you know, if you're not familiar with where we broadcast out of, we broadcast out of Channel 4 in Jacksonville here. One of the shows we do here at our TV station is called River City Live. And our um, anchor, Jana Angel, who tried out for WWE in her day, so the interviewer you're about to watch tried out for WWE down at the Entertainment Center in Orlando. She had Bronson Reed on a few months back to talk about an upcoming Raw show here in North Florida. So it's dated in that regard. When he talks about the upcoming Raw, that's, that's a past Raw. But we ask him a few questions about his transition from Australia um, to the United States, to living in um, Florida here. Uh, and Bronson Reed's had a good run. And he's still got a long ways to go. He's solid mid-carder. I've talked to a lot of people who just everyone describes him as just solid mid-card guy at that point. You don't know where it'll go from there. I mean, he had a recent match with Gunther for the IC title. It was a good match. Um, he's kind of had two runs in WWE. I mean, he did a lot of wrestling for years in Australia, where he's from. Then eventually comes over. He gets into NXT. Um, he's a North American champion. That's a Good championship to have. Adam Cole had it. Uh, Johnny Gargano, Dominic Mysterio Jr. Uh, or Dominic Mysterio has it right now. Um, used to saying Jr. when I say Mysterio. Sorry about that. But Dominic Mysterio has the title right now. So he had a good run. He's now on Raw, um, and he's been doing a lot there. Uh, so Bronson Reed, a good, solid guy in WWE. Uh, Jana Angel, who works with us, was able to sit down with him, talk a little about his career, where he's at right now, as he was previewing a Raw from earlier this summer. Here's a quick interview we had with Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed, because we are about to kick off a great weekend and beginning of the week with the WWE. So Bronson, welcome to my house. Uh, thank you for having me. So we're so excited to talk to you because it sounds like Saturday is going to be a big day for you and it's really just a kickoff for what we're going to get to see here locally in Jacksonville on Monday. So what is it that you're looking forward to most on Saturday? Uh, well, Saturday I'll be in Puerto Rico, so that's going to be very cool. Uh, I'm in the United States Championship match and I look forward to winning that championship and then bringing it to Jacksonville on Monday. Now, what do these matchups look like for you in terms of preparing? Because we see a lot of storylines going into Saturday, and then Monday, we're actually going to see a lot of new things kind of coming into the ring, so to speak. So what should we expect on Saturday that will lead into our new week on Monday? Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of, like, uh, almost, almost like a completion of stories because I think Monday is going to be something definitely brand new and fresh. We have a brand new roster uh, as for SmackDown as well, but Monday Night Raw is going to be very stacked. So I'm interested for all the new challenges ahead. Now, one thing I just want to talk about kind of behind the belt, so to speak, when it comes to traveling and continuing, you know, your workouts, continuing your storylines, continuing everything that you have as a personal brand, what does that look like when you're traveling around? Like you said, you're going to be in Puerto Rico and then you're in Jacksonville. So how does that day-to-day -day work out for you? Uh, it's tough sometimes, you know, it's, it's a bit of a time warp, uh, 
uh, this past week, I was actually in the UK. I was I was in England, uh, then I was in Ireland, and then I was actually in France. Uh, then I had a huge 10-hour flight to get back to Texas. Then I have Puerto Rico this weekend, and then uh, obviously Jacksonville Monday. So sometimes days sort of melt into one another. Right. Uh, and it's sort of, you, you sort of try and get the best routine you can. And if you have a good routine, you can just keep that going. Yeah, that's definitely great advice. Now, when you get into Jacksonville, you know you have a ton of fans here and does Jacksonville love some wrestling, let me tell you. So <laughs> what are yes. you looking forward to in terms of competing here in Jacksonville? I know it's not Puerto Rico, it's a little bit different, but this hometown group's gonna be really excited to see you all. Uh, you know, for me, like I love competing in Florida. I've, I've uh, wrestled in Jacksonville a handful of times for when I was with NXT and WWE, but this is the first time I'll actually be in Jacksonville for Monday Night Raw. Uh, and I guess it's sort of my uh, home away from home. You know, I live here in Orlando, so I consider myself a Florida boy. Uh, I'm originally from Australia. I moved out here four years ago, so the Florida crowd is my crowd. Uh, really, there's uh, so many similarities when you look at Australia and Florida, and I feel like we have yes. a very similar vibe. Um, so I think that's fun. Now, you mentioned uh, NXT, which is, is such a great experience and part of WWE. Um, maybe some of our River City Live viewers don't know that connection. Do you mind explaining that to us, just kind of that road from NXT to the WWE? Yeah, and NXT is pretty much the jumping flat platform to be able to get onto a Monday Night Raw or uh, SmackDown. Uh, so for myself, I was recruited all the way from Australia, and then I, I, I move over here to Florida, to Orlando, where we have our training performances center. Um, and then you pretty much hone your craft there in NXT in hopes to get on a Monday Night Raw. Uh, and it's a, it's a long journey, but it's, it's been really good. I, I know that journey is long and it's and it's so well earned. So you should be so proud of where you are. I know that we're excited to see you perform now. Can you tell us if we want to keep up with you personally, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you can follow me on my social media. Uh, it is at Bronson is here and you get to see things like me lifting crazy amounts of weights, but then at the same time jumping off the top rope. That, that was always my favorite part, is just to see the athleticism that comes with this. The number one thing I'll fight somebody on is the second they try to tell me wrestling's fake. I said, those ropes are not fake. That landing is not fake. Oh, no. Those chairs are not fake. You guys are so athletic and so impressive at what you do. So just thank you for taking the time to hang out with us for a little bit. Of course, no problem at all. And yeah, 300-pound-plus man jumping off the top rope, that's going to hurt you. Yes, I love it. It's like, we, I can't wait to see how many tsunamis we get to have here in Jacksonville, and that's happening on Monday. And now, if you are a big wrestling fan and you want even more action, make sure you check out Going Greenside with the local station, and that is with our very own Scott Johnson. You can find that on our website and News for Jacks Plus. So, again, thank you so much, and we will see you here in Jacksonville in our ring on Monday. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, so happy Jana was able to sit down with Bronson and talk a little about where his career is going right now. And we hope to have him on the show down the road uh, next time uh, WWE is coming through Florida. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll catch up with him. And he's, of course, down here in Florida with us. So we hope to touch base with him, have a little more long-form interview with him down the road. But we're excited to have him on the show here uh, and talk to him a bit. So I, I was excited to, to do this show. Um, this is episode 35. Uh, keep giving us a follow, keep spreading the word about the show. We're still trying to get the word out. We've been at it about, oh, eight, 
nine months right now, and we're still trying to get the show out, the word out about the show to wrestling fans. Let them know we're here. I know there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there with uh, great podcasts. Bruce Pritchard does them, Busted Open Radio. They do great stuff. Give us a give us a, a check out. Tell your friends. Share it in wrestling groups. We hope to be a fresh voice that's not really affiliated with any sort of company. I don't got any background. We just give your input on uh, what we're able to come across in this crazy world that is pro wrestling. So thanks for joining us for episode 35. We'll see you back here next week. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station. Brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player. On News 4 Jax Plus as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.